Hi there. My name is Leslie Koff, and you've reached the podcast, Breathing Out Stars. So, if you're a regular listener, then you know that sometimes I present a bunch of stories that don't seem to make any sense why I'm presenting them, but then at the end, I've delivered a message. So I think the same applies today. So today we're going to call this one Notes from the Ark because, um, you know, we're in the ark and we're at sea again and and this is, uh, it's our life now, right? But today we're going to talk about doves and olive branches. As you know, it's been quite a time. After the rain, which continued 40 days and 40 nights, or shall I say uh, 40 weeks, or not quite 40 months, the constant rain of bad news, the downpour of deception, you know, virus, the noise, uh, it stopped for a while. It's, it's rainy again, uh, but it did stop for a while. There was, for us, an open window And one or two of the doves that we were housing, because of course, everything in pairs, right? The dove flew out. We didn't know if the dove was coming back. He flew out. Was it the noise that bothered him? All of the cacophony that was all around us, we wonder. The constant din, honestly, the catastrophizing. The actual sirens in the street. The negative thoughts. I have no idea. But the dove flew out. In time, the dove returned to us. His mate was thinking, Oh, I hope, I hope, I hope my dove returns. But he must fly far and see far and find safety for all of us, which is really, I think, what we're all hoping for. After a season of staying in and going out and collecting and worrying, changes all around us, It's swirling, and honestly, we drank all the whiskey a long time ago. But after many days of wondering, we heard a little sound at the window, a little pecking. The dove returned, flying far from loved ones, returning now to reassure us all. You know Mary Chapin Carpenter. She has that beautiful song, Farewell, my love, farewell, my own and one true love. Farewell for a while, I'm going away, but I will be back when I've gone 10,000 miles. 10,000 miles, my own true love, 10,000 miles or more. The rocks may melt and the trees may burn if I should not return. But the dove, the dove does return and there is a promise of peace, offering peace and comfort The dove returns with two branches in his beak, the olive branch, the magical olive, and a myrtle. The olive reminds us that we can find golden oil even in the driest climates, even in the greatest scarcity there's magic. Magic can come from nothing. And the myrtle, whose leaves look like eyes, reminds us to see with our hearts. After such a year, almost two years, we've all had, we need that reminder to trust, 
that something precious can be made from nearly nothing and that we can see best with our hearts. That dove, well, you know, the dove is a symbol of hope. I want to talk for a second about the olive trees, about something being made from nothing. When times feel unstable, we remember that olive trees live for centuries in the scarcest climates. So here is my story. We had just returned from a week away the night before and had all manner of clean laundry hanging to dry all over the apartment. And I didn't really want to leave early the next morning on yet another adventure because honestly, I was weary. Yeah. Plus, it was supposed to be like a 100% chance of rain all week. I was not interested. So I expressed this to him, and we agreed to stay home that weekend, and then we discovered we couldn't cancel our reservation and couldn't get our money back. So, F that. Sigh, I perfunctorily packed. We got up early, caught our taxi to the car rental across town. I argued with the driver about the route he was taking, which is uncharacteristic for me. Look how Italy had changed me, eh? Naturalmente. We rented a tiny car and we began driving south. Yes, it was raining. By the time we had almost hit the sea, the clouds cleared. And we kept driving and the pointed Apennines on our left were green but spiky and snowy in parts. Still, we drove. It seemed so suddenly that we passed a sign telling us that we were entering the state of Toscana, Tuscany. Need and curiosity caused us to stop in Pisa, but no, we didn't see the iconic tower. We walked a little bit, noting that the River Arno was higher than we expected it to be. <laughs> Rain, of course. We walked some more. We got back in the car. When we finally arrived at our destination in Volterra, we had driven through green fields and bright green vineyards and shiny silver olive groves. We had a little trouble finding our place, which made us question even more if this was really a good idea. But the hills and the tall cypress, well, they were beginning to change our mind. They do that sort of thing. Finally, we found the house. Not knowing what to expect, we walked up to it. We were ushered in by the owner, Anna Maria Babieri, with a smile. But we expected you at 1300, she said. Mangiamo insieme qua. We eat all together here, she had said. Mangiamo insieme qua. Oh, non sapevo, I responded. I didn't know. I didn't realize. I had no idea that she would be cooking us lunch and that she expected us. Actually, I hadn't really understood any of this situation. She showed us to our apartment made of stone. Cool, probably very comodo, comfortable in the summer heat, which, judging by the number of cacti, was probably pretty abundant summer heat. Terracotta floor, stone fireplace, wood doors, everything wooden stone, completely lovely, but it was cold and rainy, so chilly, right? Allora, quando varete il vostro pranzo, she said, would you like, where would you like your lunch? Now you're in Toscana, meaning here there's hospitality in case you didn't know. She hugs me, which surprises me. 
30 minutes, I ask. When we enter the reception or dining area of this place, the table is set for the two of us. I tell her my dietary restrictions. She brings us food, all freshly made. Root vegetables, shaved, marinated, braised artichokes in pieces, tomatoes, fresh bread for him with farro soup, local pecorino cheese, and more. We decide to head into town. Town, town in quotations, of course, is an ancient Etruscan city. The Etruscans were in this region from 800 BCE until 400 Common Era, when the Romans finally annexed their last city-state. Thus, the area called Toscana is called Tuscany for Etruski, the Etruscans. Did you know that? Hmm. Anyway, so... You have to walk straight up to get to the city. Of course, it's built at the very top of a hill for defensive purposes. It was, of course, beautiful. We window shopped, enjoying the fact that at this point it was only drizzling. We headed back. Dinner was at a local uh, agriturismo. All windows all around us while eating a very simple dinner. We watched the clouds the iconic tall cypresses, the hills, and apricot-covered roses. It seemed like a dream, but alas, it was not. And yet it was. I felt so ashamed that we had missed that lunch the day before that we didn't even know about. I certainly didn't want to be late for breakfast. Our host greeted us with fresh bread, cheese, a full spread, actually, there was a torta made from hazelnuts, blueberries, and apples, fresh juice on the table, apple, carrot, and lemon, meats for those who liked them. Another guest was there conversing with the owner. He was asking her about the land, the juice. He offered that he likes to add finocchio, fennel, to his apple and carrot or pear and celery juices, and they discussed natural sugars the way to get little children to eat real food, I translated. Rain was close, but not quite close enough, so we headed out again. This time we drove 30 minutes to San Gimignano, another walled city, super high in the sky. We had limited time and other limitations. We saved our steps. I bought a tablecloth. We sat for a quick macchiato e te. The sun was beautiful. Turisti, tourists, began to arrive. This is usually my cue to leave. Don't ask. Personality defect, I guess. Driving back in fields and olive groves and vineyards again, I realized how magical the olive groves are. Olive trees mean life. They grow in harsh, harsh conditions, and they give oil, sustenance, and nourishment. I remember learning a few years ago that the holy oil with which one is anointed, was anointed in ancient times, was just from these very kind of trees. It was considered the holiest of oils when it was pressed, the olives, not by man, but by the weight of the other olives, almost by God that it was divinely pressed. Similar to the idea that a diamond is created when carbon is put under pressure, Something so pure and beautiful can be created by intrinsic pressure, like holy oil. Here, 
The owner of the place we're at tells me we make our own oil. Who helps you, I ask? Oh, i contadini, the farmers, she said. The farmers, they come and help. She shows me a video of their process. The oil is green, bright, bright green, like spring grass. Oh, capisco, I say. I understand now why really good oil tastes grassy, because that is the way it is. Perché la vita è così, she says, because such is life. Now we come to the dining table for lunch, just in time. There is an artichoke frittata, pesto, a dish of gnocchi, local tomatoes, basil from just outside the door, onions, tomatoes, all of it, and wine, a Sangiovese, delicious, even for me, not a super big wine drinker. The other guest is asking our host about food again. She has served him a farro soup, maybe even a tripe. You need a blog, he tells her, a blog of your recipes of life here. Scriverò qualcosa, I add from the other side of the table. I'll write something. Then, she tells of the tall, iconic cypresses. She says the roots, the roots of the cypresses, they go very, very deep into the earth. So the tree, although it is tall, cannot fall over. Oh, I say, like the people of Toscana. She smiles at me and nods, appreciating that I understand that the people, the Tuscan people, Ituski, the Etruscan descendants, that they have roots very deep in the earth so that they can't fall over. It's a good thing, I'm thinking, that we came despite rain and everything, that we could be here in this land of abundance, of birds singing, of walled ancient cities up on hills, of wild boars right behind the house that moan close by. Even as I write this, I can hear them calling. This place, this place of stories and poetry and art, no wonder it has inspired so many. I need another olive tree in my house, I think. I need apricot roses. I wonder, could I grow a cypress? Could years of pressure someday turn me into a diamond? In times of scarcity, can I be like an olive tree? And despite overexposure, despite lack of water, can I still create magical golden oil? Can I make something out of nothing? The olive trees are twisted with time, wind, conditions of life, leaves silver in the sun, despite all odds producing this fruit which sustains and with a bit of additional pressure becomes something else entirely, something green and magical and golden and holy. On the hill, the olive trees seem like ancient soldiers. Like me, I am twisted with time and challenge and life. In the sun, on the very top of me, you can also find some silver. Will what I have produced sustain? Is some part of it even golden or even a little bit holy? Now we have to move inside because the storm finally arrives. The dark clouds in arrivo, here now, growling over the hills. It is dark inside the stone walls, our cave, he tells me. But even inside I am dreaming of the trees and the birds and the boars. 
the trees are holy. The olive is holy, the oil beyond holy. That something comes from nothing in times of scarcity, this is hope. Even in our lives as we move inside again, we are dreaming of these trees. We are putting our roots deep in the earth. Things, wind that blows too hard, things that change, these cannot blow us over. We are deep in the earth, we are strong, and we can stand up to this. We have hope. We are like the olive trees. We are like the golden oil. Find the magic. Find the golden oil within yourself in times like these. This has been Leslie Koff. Thank you for listening to Breathing Out Stars.